Hello and welcome to another edition of Thoughts from Player One, the podcast where we take an in-depth look at one story or narrative-focused game and give our thoughts about it. As always, I'm Alex. I'm Duncan. And this week, we took a look at Echo by Ultra Ultra. Echo was released on uh, September of 2017. You can pick it up on the PS4 or you can pick it up on the Windows platforms. And it is going for about $25 right now. And Duncan, would you like to tell us a little bit about what the premise of this game is? Echo, 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 echo. It's about, 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 about. So you've been sitting on that bed for what, like a week now? Just waiting? Just fucking waiting? Yeah. That's that's the top tier shit. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't find time to come up with any fucking engaging questions for discussion. (laughs) But you could really work on that goddamn joke. (laughs) Well, work on joke is is, is maybe... Well, you said the the name of the developer was the same word twice. Ultra, ultra, yeah. Ultra, ultra. That's kind of what triggered that in my mind. Gotcha, Um, gotcha. But Echo is a game about... Um, God, what is this game even really about here? So, <laughs> hold on. Let me just, real quick. Hold on. One second here. Hold on. One second here. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, basically, you're a girl named N, uh, who is in, like, a stasis uh, of, 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 uh, hold on. Let me start that one more let's time. Just, hold right, on. Let's I got roll this. it back. Roll it back. Roll it back. Roll okay. It back. Roll it back. Here this we is go. What we, I got this it. is what I wanted. Okay, so after a hundred years in stasis, a uh, a girl named N arrives at her destination, a palace of legend. Out there, using forgotten technologies, she hopes to bring a life that should have been lost. You're just reading something. You're just yeah. fucking reading something. So what? <laughs> all right, all right, I'll do it for real. I time. thought you were off off the cuff at first. All right, all right, all right. This is the real part. Okay, right. I mostly meant like it's a stealth game, but it's fine. You can talk about this. It's yeah, I, I just want to talk about the general, like, you're trying to bring a dude back to life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you play as this girl named N who has arrived at this bizarre palace where um, she is noticing as she's trying to deliver this uh, this cube that contains the soul of um, of someone that you'll learn more about when we talk about the story um <laughs> she discovers that the there are these like echoes of herself or like copies of herself that learn what she does by uh you know what she did in these last cycles so basically the the gameplay loop in these action sequences uh, these stealth things are like a 3d third person environment kind of stealth sneak game where it's light you do the actions, the game remembers what you do, then it shuts down, it does not remember what you do, and then when it loops, it takes everything that you did while it was light, and then those copies of you know how to do those things. If that sounds confusing, basically think of it like this. If you are able to jump off of a ledge and the first cycle those people would not know how to do it until it loops, and then they would know how to jump off of a ledge. Yeah. Um, so the game kind of just takes you through different scenes in this, like, really lavish, elegant palace, and um, there are story beats in between that you witness, uh, so we'll get more to those as we go along. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll flesh out a lot of that in the, the story summary, but I think we had an abnormal amount to say about the gameplay, so we wanted to maybe... 
get some of our general thoughts out up front and then talk about the gameplay a little bit before we do a full story so- um like story summary and spoiler type stuff so we're gonna we're gonna try to keep it relatively spoiler free up top um narratively mechanically we'll have to talk about a lot of spoilers um yeah. but i think i think there's uh, a lot of value in in talking about what this game does just as a gameplay component not not artistically not narratively not you know all all of that other stuff so i think do you want to just jump into how we felt about the game generally yeah let's 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 jump right the f into it yeah i'll I'll go first because i think i have the softer um view of the game (laughs) so to speak so this was a game that i i had had my eye on for a while um i know somebody who's like really really enjoyed this game quite a bit and and i trust their opinion so i was like hey i'm interested in checking this out and then i like looked on the steam page and was like hey this looks really cool it sounds really cool um and so i wanted to to play through it uh and i think generally i was not a huge fan of the game but i will say the the game makes me mad more than anything else not because I like get frustrated with it, with, which I do, but because it does so many things so extremely right in my eyes, but it just doesn't nail the feel of the gameplay loop at all. And I think that made it so that I was like, I'm jiving with so much of what's going on here, except for the part where I have to play it, and it's like a video game as video game, so I can't just be like, ah, it's fine, I just, like, I'll just walk through this part, right? Like, I did not enjoy the stealth aspect of this game too much. There are times when it clicked and I really enjoyed it, but the majority of the time, it all just felt kind of clunky. It felt like the, it felt like a really, really good idea with, like, a suboptimal implementation, and that just kind of burned me on the whole thing. And then, like, because I was struggling with it, and, and to be fair, I don't play a lot of stealth games. It's not, like, they're not, it's not my favorite genre of game to begin with. Hmm. So I, I kind of came into it with maybe not the right skill sets, the wrong word, but it, it, like, it was already on the back foot, right? It already had to do a little extra to, to wow me. Um, and I thought that it was going to do that. Uh, but I, I, again, I think I mentioned this to you, Duncan, like, the entire time I was playing it, I just, I was thinking to myself, this would be such a fucking cool, like, top-down puzzle game. Like, mm-hmm. a really co- even just, like, a top-down, I think, like, uh, stealth game. Wow, I forgot the word stealth. Um, <laughs> I think would be, like, really good. But it just, it all just felt kind of off. Like, it, it felt sluggish with a lot of the button presses. It felt like it's got maybe one of the worst, like, normal run animations i've seen in a video game ever and it just felt bad to move around that space in a way that really just took the edge off of what i thought was an otherwise like incredibly cool idea and like really well executed quite a bit of it yeah i i feel a lot of the same ways right but to kind of build on to more of what you're saying is i think it's a concept that when i set it and I describe it to people like I've described this game maybe two or three times to different people. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a cool concept and such a good idea, but it's a game that would lend itself more towards puzzle mechanics. But I think I only witnessed like maybe two puzzles in the game. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I, I don't think that it works very well as a stealth action game, because I think there's a lot of action if you choose to play a certain way but you know if you want to sit back and be stealthy you can do that too so there's you know a a, a large way that you can do this but my bigger problem with it isn't so much that 
it's buggy, like, not buggy, that's not the right phrase, uh, clunky or like heavy, like you'd said, but it kind of doesn't really build on its mechanics mm, very well. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think you, you, you sort of learn this thing that they can do what you do. You know, the, the first time that I realized that they can do what you do is like when you're, uh, able to run through the water but like you don't really want to run through the water during the light cycle because um then then they're going to learn how to do it and then they'll be able to chase after you whereas they're just dumb and they just can't cross mm-hmm. the water and i like that i'm like that's smart because now i'm able to you know take this on with the knowledge going forward but my problem is is that later there's so many things you can do there are elevators there is these crystal balls that you can smash on people's heads or distract people with. There are ledges to jump off of. There are, um, you can run, you can like shoot. There's so many things that you get so lost in like trying to think about what would be best to do or not to do that. I just ended up doing almost everything because it's like, I'm just going to play this and remember what I did and then fight those people again. But mm-hmm. I want what I wanted was looking forward at a situation going, OK, I need to get to this objective and this objective is surrounded by X, Y and Z. It would be better if I don't do this or that so that they can't do this or that. And it just didn't do that at all. I feel like it it it, it ended up being so much more. Let me hide behind this thing until I see this person isn't here. Let me choke them from behind and then go grab the thing like mm-hmm. it. it that's the most optimal way to play. And I, I think it, it spoiled it in a way where it just was kind of like, I desperately wanted this concept to work. And I think it, it, it kind of, it, it disappointed me. I felt very disappointed because I really wanted to like it because mm-hmm. I really liked the ideas. And I think I, it worked for me slightly more, right? Like I did have that thought process of what you were saying of like, okay, here's what I want to do. Here's what I don't want to do. Right. Again, like, like Duncan was saying, you have like a, a set number of verbs you can do, right. You can, you know, like he said, you can pick up crystal balls, you can throw crystal balls, you can sprint and they can learn how to sprint. You choke people out. They learn how to choke people out. You like, you know, everything they learn how to do that you do. Um, including things like, you know, there's some mundane stuff around the world. Like you can play a piano and then they'll learn to like play a piano. Um, and I think there's like there are some interesting things there because the game is also uh, like it's not a timer, right? So there's like again the three cycles of like when the palace is like lit up, when the palace is um, dark because the power is out, and then it like resets everything. That's like when it goes from lit up to dark is based on it having absorbed enough information of things that you do, so you can try to fill it with like a bunch of junk data. And then, you know, keep in mind, like, okay, the things I don't want to teach it are, you know, I don't want to teach it how to shoot a gun. I don't want to teach it how to sprint. I don't want to teach it how to, like, you know, go through doors on this loop. And then I will just try to make use of places that don't have doors on the next loop, right? And, like, that process was happening in my mind. But even with that process, most of the levels still did end up feeling like I'm going to crouch behind this thing and choke people out and then right, be right. totally fine and like i think there are, um like the the design of like the loop of the game is like you know you go to a new chapter and then there's usually like three or four levels sometimes interconnected by like a little interstitial story moments and it's usually like okay like 
make it to this exit in this room, and then you finish that room, and the next room is like, okay, get this, you know, these two items and bring them to the door, like these two keys, and bring them to the door to go through there, and then like, okay, explore this space and collect a certain number of these collectibles to then move on to the next area. And I genuinely found that the the third one of those, the one that was just like, here's a huge open space, you don't have like a hard objective, you just have to go collect these things, those ones tended to click decently with me like early on i didn't like them so much but towards the end i was like okay like this this makes sense to me because it's more of a generally open sandbox and also very importantly there are a lot of checkpoints in those ones where you can just be like "Ah, i save my game now so i don't lose all my progress because that was the frustrating part for me was like hey this felt clunky and i got annoyed with it so i stopped engaging with it on its level and then I got killed, and then you lose all your progress for that entire level, and then I'm even more frustrated. So, like, a lot of the mid-game levels ended up me being like, I bet you I could just sprint over there, grab that key, shoot people twice, sprint back, enter the key, and then run through the door. And, like, a lot of the times, yeah, you absolutely can just do that. Um, Yep. So, parts of it, parts of it work really well. And for me, when it was working, I saw what they were going for. I saw the general idea of, like, every action is a trade-off, because you are doing something powerful and giving somebody a, like a weapon to then turn against you but again it just it didn't it didn't hit that enough and most of the time it didn't like the only thing that really felt impactful was sprinting and shooting it's like okay if i teach them to do yes. either one of those i'm fucked everything else i'll probably be fine occasionally they will hit me in the back of the head with a crystal ball and that always feels like bullshit but yeah so Two, I, I want to say two positive things that I think are first, this is not, this is a very bold, like, idea for a game, right? Like, I think that it was extremely, it would be extremely difficult to make this game, like, work, work, like, almost 100% of the time and feel right. I think it would be very difficult to achieve that completely. Mm-hmm. And I think what they did was fine, albeit, you know, I had my issues with it. But I think what works the most with this game and in, in terms of gameplay is the like the level design in the terms of the spaces. Like I don't mean like in the objectives and things like that. Yeah. But I mean more like these, like you had said, these big open sandboxy spaces. I feel like with a lot of stealth games, it is long corridor to point B, and you maybe get a couple options to go left or right. Mm-hmm. Like this felt like much more of a like huge open thing where it's like, okay, I need to click this one key, but I do genuinely feel like there's eight or ten ways I could do it. Yes. Um, there is an easy way to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but um, I could try to do something else. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to say that I really like is is moving a little bit away from the core like game gameplay of it and talking about the atmosphere is that um, when it goes dark, it's fucking tense, dude. There were some moments, especially when I was like feeling into it, like you had said, because I don't hate it all, but like, you know, those moments where, it clicked and then it would go dark and they would play like the heart thumping noise. Like, Oh my God, it's about to be light. The cycle's about to be done. And I hope I'm in the right position Mm -hmm. that that worked. I think those are really good. Um, and I, I, I just, I wish they decided they made more the, 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 
the things that I wish that they would do, I think are easier fixes where I, I truly wish that you had health rather than just, you have like this weird system where you can get hit once and then it takes you a while to get recovered and then you're good. Yeah. But it's so fucking busted because like you can get, you know, grappled by someone and then you push it off and then you're in danger mode. And then someone could like take a shot at you from a thousand fucking feet away and then finish you. It just, or, or you could get grappled by one person and then there's another person waiting like two feet away from you. That that's just grapples the one you that's instantly. fucking busted because the tooltip yeah. is like, you can push off up to three echoes and it's like, yeah. okay, cool. Up to three of them can be grappling me at once and it pushes them all down. But if there's one that's just behind you, they don't start grappling you. They just wait for you to be done grappling yeah. and then kill you. <laughs> and it's like, dog, what's the fucking point of the limit then? Yeah, I feel like you almost have to, like, group them together. Like, sometimes I would do that where mm-hmm. I'd group three of them together. I'd be like, come eat, boys, <laughs> and I'd push <laughs> them all off. But and, you have to really be careful. And I will say, in reference to what you said, like, yes, I, I think the, like, the tension, it, it's weird, right? Because the tension ratchets up a little bit when it's dark because it's dark. And, like, you are then, you know, you have, like, 20 seconds or so until the loop resets and everything you've done becomes, like, locked in. But also the tension weirdly like pulls back a little bit when it's dark because mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, well, I can just fucking shoot them now. Yeah. I can just shoot them. I can just sprint away from them because they can't catch me. So there's kind of a cool push and pull there where you're like, hey, this is like, uh, it's sort of like an inversion on the, the the typical idea of what it means to like be in the darkness in these types of games. And like, atmospherically, I think it's great. And it has like a really good, you know, the, the lights don't just sort of turn back on, right? It It's like, everything cuts black when it does the like the powers resetting and then all of them like all of the echoes throughout the level are like crouched down and slowly stand up and you also like your screen goes completely back and then turns on which has like a really really like it led to a ton of really cool moments where i would like sneak up behind somebody in the dark and start choking them as the loop ended and they would like scream and then it would be like a hard cut to black and that was a really really cool moment every single time it happened yeah it, it it it's moments like that and like the theming and it's this like very like kind of it can be a very unsettling time in this very like immaculate palace Mm -hmm. and i think the the environments work really well in conjunction with the game and stuff like that and i think a lot of the times it feels right i just wish it was a little bit more forgiving and a little bit like more puzzly and i would have really enjoyed it but yes. it's just it it's just i had too many moments where i was like okay i'm f- five seconds away from being done with this section and then i got killed and it's like go collect the two keys again buddy yeah. you're all the way back here and that just takes me out of it so much and infuriates me that i just like i can't enjoy the game you know what i mean it just mm-hmm. especially because you don't like it's it then doesn't become, hey, I figured this out, so now that I understand what to do, I'll just burn through it. You don't develop a critical path. You build the path to getting to the end of the level, right? It's not like, oh, well, now I can easily know that I'll just dodge this person and that person, because everything's different, right? Like, if you teach the the echoes to jump over walls, suddenly they'll be jumping over walls, and there'll be places they weren't last time, right? So it's, you know, it's not something where when you lose progress, it's not a big deal. It can get really, really frustrating. 
Um, I do want to shout out the UI design. Um, just generally, like all of the, the way the UI tools interact in the world, you have like a really cool sphere around you that has numerous arrows pointing to different like objectives throughout the map, but then also has like, you know, it's it's a sci-fi sphere that is built of a bunch of hexes, right? Um, and so those hexes like start to glow based on the direction of different life forms around you. So when the echoes are walking around, you see like a visual representation of them on the sphere that surrounds you, like as they move and it turns from like blue to if they don't see you to yellow, if they start to see you to red, if they like actively see you and are chasing you. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. And you have an ability that like expands that sphere outward and marks every living thing and every save point and also does like a little like a little ping on the collectibles for a period of time. And during that period of time, you can then see through walls, like see those outlines through walls, but you lose that you know sphere that's around you, which I think is really cool. And there's like really good sound design for when people are looking at you versus when people see you versus when people are chasing you. So you have all of this information in this UI and in this audio design that like gives you everything you need in a really, really smart way. And then you just like sucks to run. <laughs> It sucks to, like, run and push enemies, and you're like, well, this is no good. Um, How did you feel about the resource management aspect of this? Because basically, for those of you who haven't played, you um, you get, like, two energy to start with, and you can spend an energy on, like, shooting or jumping over a very high ledge so your suit, like, takes the impact of the fall, and a couple other actions, like Alex described, the, uh, the, the sensing everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so on and so forth. But as you collect collectibles, you get more energy slots, and you also have stamina for like sprinting and um. And the first energy you always have will have at least one that regenerates. Yes. You'll never be in a point when you can't get any back. Um, I, I didn't mind it, right? So there, there are there are objects around the world that when the palace is lit up will restore your energy, either one or three, depending on the size of the object. Um. And I I think it bothered me at the beginning because I had so little energy that I felt like I didn't want to use any of my abilities, and that made Mm -hmm. the game a lot harder. But over time, you you can engage with these collectibles that slowly build up to give you extra energy pips. Um, And I think towards the back half of the game, when I had a little more and I was a little more like gung-ho about just using my energy whenever I had it, I ended up feeling pretty good about it. early on it just i struggled with it a little bit but i think it's an interesting way to do that um yeah it's better than I, like a cooldown system i think a hundred percent i agree with that i think i the resource manage the 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 energy management worked for me i wish you had just a little bit more stamina it felt like it drained yes extremely fast um it, it did it but is... i wonder how much of that is because i would only ever sprint immediately after pushing something which also drains your stamina so i'd be like i never does. have any energy oh right well i did just like push three people and then sprint up a staircase and then turn around <laughs> like yeah that's fair it just I don't know. Sometimes I wish there's just a tinge more of it, but that's that's pretty nitpicky at that point. Um, yeah, I mean that that was not the problem that we either one of us had with this game. Yeah. So, um, do we want to talk about the story overall? Do you want to kind of walk yeah, us? Yeah, I'll, I'll walk. I'll walk us through the general story. So at this point, we're gonna do spoilers for the whole story, and then there's like some 
mechanical things that we maybe have some thoughts about that happen in the very back part of the game, like the last part of the last chapter of the game, which we'll talk about as well. So if this all sounds interesting to you, then now is the time to to hop off and and go play it yourself. Um, Gosh, we really sold it, huh? Well, I mean, like, you know, if if you are the type of person and it doesn't sound like those things bother you and you really like stealth games, I could totally see. Like, the people who like this game love this game. Like, if you look at the reviews, it's a lot of people going, I didn't get it, it didn't work for me, and a lot of people going, like, this is one of the coolest ideas I've ever seen in a game and I loved every minute I had with it. So, hmm. you know, all right, to each their own. I'm not here to tell people they're wrong. Um, so the game, as Duncan said, it is framed kind of you. You play N, this person who um, wakes up from this hundred year stasis on, on uh, like an AI ship that is going towards this planet. Um, you come to find out throughout the course of the game, because I don't remember exactly how this is doled out. So I'm just going to say it now. N is uh, what it's called a resourceful. So she is the. Um, ostensibly granddaughter, I don't actually know. They don't make it clear if it's a biological connection or if it's like some sort of a weird genetic grooming sort of thing of of the leader of these resourcefuls, which is essentially, it's like a cult. It's like a very Darwinistic cult about how, you know, the only the strongest will survive, right? Um, so you, you come to this, you know, you, you, you and I think London, I always get the names mixed up. London is the name of the AI ship that is with you that like is the companion that you have throughout the whole game that talks to you are going to this planet after you escaped the clutches of this this group, this cult of resourcefuls, um, and the only thing you took with you was obviously the ship and then the cube that Duncan had referred to earlier that has in it the soul of a man named Foster, who was the person who was, you know, a bounty hunter who was initially sent to go collect you after you had run away from this cult and then ended up, you know, kind of making a choice later on, and there's you know a lot of points about that uh, to to help you escape, but ended up sacrificing his own life in the process. Um, so you are going to this palace that you have heard about through your cult that is supposed to have incredible power, and ostensibly you're going there to try to bring Foster back to life. Um, you go to this planet, which is just this giant planet filled with these huge, very similar structures that you kind of like. They're very weathered. They're very old. Is is kind of the the main point that London, this like ship's AI, gets you know, talk, to talk to you about and said, hey, you know, these, these structures have been around for, like, the material these structures are made of should last basically forever, and they are starting to fall apart. So these are older than old. Um, and, and in this giant planet-wide structure is where you find this palace, right? It's not just like, oh, it's a palace on a hill. It is, like, the interior of this entire planet and all of these structures that are interconnected, um, and, and you kind of move between them through through certain walking scenes. And then, you know, as we had mentioned throughout the whole thing, right, you come into this palace, you, you know, the palace is defunct when you get there, and it is genuinely, like, it is an opulent palace, right? It is what you think of that, though early on it has surprisingly little in the way of, like, character or furniture. The only character it has is, like, opulence, right? It is not, it's not like, oh, <laughs> look at all these cool things. It's just like, oh, yeah, look at all this, like... Silver and chairs, basically. Um, Silver, chair, and grapes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you eventually make your way down, and then you find a um, machine that looks like something that you recognize from your time in this cult, and you put the cube in there that is supposed to have contained Foster's soul. And as you put the cube in there, that's when you kind of, like, black out, and then the palace starts going through this process of, you know, having like being fully powered and then shutting down and then rebooting and over the next like hour or so you you and you know are exploring this palace and see like you know black goop that slowly grows into like 
you know, moving black goop that slowly grows into like fucked up images of you that slowly grow into these like perfect echoes of you that learn based on what you do. Um, and then the entire game from there is, again, you just trying to descend the palace further and further to get to wherever you assume is the place that you will be able to use the cube to bring Foster back to life, right? The, I think the whole thing that they keep coming back to, the whole thing they keep harping on is the idea of these, like, this resourceful cult that you were a part of basically saw this palace as, like, the, you know, one giant challenge, like a gate to the afterlife, and they always said that the soul and the body would enter the, you know, like, the afterlife through different doors, basically, was, was their whole thing. So as you go down, you, you get, like, snippets of information about N's past as, you know, this, you know, part of this cult that valued, like, being better than everybody else, that valued, like, winning and valued, like, fighting for this eternal life that was, like, very clearly being manipulated by her grandfather to be, you know, who was just a, a piece of shit. Um, and you go through this whole palace, uh, slowly unraveling all of that until eventually you get towards the end of the game, and I'm skipping over a little bit here that, I, you know, maybe we'll, we'll fill in the gaps, but I think for the most part is, is not as important. Um, so you, you kind of get to the end of the game, you find, like, this big, you know, maintenance robot that scans you, um, which then starts the, like, last part of the last chapter, where not only are you competing against Echoes, you are also competing against, I don't know what they're actually called, I just referred to them as golems. golems. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're I think just, she called them golems. They're just giant golden versions of you that kill you in one hit and can do everything that you can do. They no longer have to learn based on what you do. They can just, they can sprint, they can jump down, and they will run around killing the normal echoes that are there anyway. So the last couple of levels, you are kind of competing with those two things as you're trying to get to the, you know, ostensibly the core of this planet. Um, and then finally getting past all of that, you do, you know, you make it down to whatever the core of this planet is, you know, again, trying to bring Foster back to life because it's come to light that he, you know, you had kind of manipulated him to die for you because it was in a, kind of a scenario where only one of the two of you would get out alive. Um, and then you you bring the cube where he was, you know, you kind of like bring it through this portal. And then at the very end of the game, you are, you know, you are kind of back on your ship is what it looks like, though it's kind of clear that maybe the palace is just like creating this for what you would expect it to, to look like. You know, it's, it's kind of, hey, you have... This is a familiar space where you and Foster both shared, right? And then you find a, a kind of a data visualization of him laying on a platform and, you know, touch him with one of your hands and you start to become data and he becomes real. And then N comes to realize that it's another instance of only one person being able to make it out of here live. And then she ends up, you know, giving her body to him and also reuniting him with his soul, right? So then the end of the game has Foster waking up on this table, still in what looks like the palace in, like, uh, kind of an, an unsettling way, That, but it is clear that she succeeded in her mission to bring her body into the palace and give it to him and to bring his soul in through a separate means and re, you know, reattach his soul to his body, right? So eventually does kind of complete this this idea of immortality where even though he died he was able to come back to life through the sacrifice of of one of these resourcefuls and you know i generally think it does pretty well with a lot of that storytelling i think there are like i think you and i both said early on we were extremely into the writing and the voice acting mm -hmm. which is just it's really good i think the main failure of the story 
is that there are periods of time where you go a long time without any story at all or any commentary from the characters even like that that was the part that ruined it for me was you know you would do three levels in a row and get like nothing at all and i started to become a little detached from it but i think the writing for london and n is so good and so engaging when it's there that it just made me like miss it that much more when it wasn't there and i wasn't enjoying the game yeah i mean that was that was my exact complaint overall with the story is i just i think i messaged you and i said i just want (laughs) i just want the girl and the robot to banter please (laughs) I just want them to talk because I love when they talk because London has this very pessimistic, you're stupid and ignorant and you're young and like uh, Mm -hmm. very, um, you know, you kind of spend a lot of time wondering, like, is he right? What is he right or wrong about? And I kind of love that he ended up kind of wrong because those characters usually like end up. I mean, he was kind of right in a way, but those characters usually end up being right anyways. Um, But, you know, and N is this, like, you have to have faith and you have to believe in this and things like that. And, you know, we'll talk about how that sort of twists around and things like that. But it it was a nice, like, back and forth between the two. And I liked hearing them have conversations. I will say sometimes the conversations would get a little confusing. um, And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of world building in here. Yes. This game so desperately needs a fucking codex. If they just had a codex, it would be it would be so much better. And I think what I like about this game's story is the world, like the world building. I want to know more about the people who built this palace and like, you know, like how it operates and its true intentions and like, you know, I want to know more about the resourcefuls and like, you know, and talks a little bit about how you become a resourceful and the the trials and tribulations like there's this ring that spins around very fast and you just have to like sit and wait for the right moment and like get your confidence up to pass through the ring or you just starve inside of the ring Mm -hmm. and like that's so cool and i like that i just i wanted more world building but it was so like disjointed and like alex had said in between all these different phases that i just i lost track of who is who i was like okay who is grandfather is grandfather in the cube or not and that became much more clear towards the end when they started talking about everything but i just it just got too confusing where the towards the end i started to give up on it where i'm like i just i'm just gonna have to look this up after Mm because i i just don't know and um and i I was talking to you right before this recording like earlier today i was reading through because i found a a website that i wish i had bookmarked so i could chat out but it's just like hey here's the full transcription of the entire game you can just read it it's got cutscenes in here there's like little collectibles that give you extra you know not dialogue but they give you extra like little scenes it's like hey here's some text that is used in the resourcefuls right um And so I was just reading through that. And I do think, like, to the game's credit, a lot of the questions that I had at the end were answered in there. And I don't necessarily think they need a codex. I think they just needed, like, 20 minutes more of dialogue throughout the whole game. Well, If they just, like, circled back on a couple of these ideas and hammered the points home, it's, like, it's really easy when you're engaging with, uh, like, any sort of, like, narrative-heavy or, like, narrative, like, super heavily laden text to just miss parts of it, right? That's why, like... If, you, if I'm reading a book that's got, like, a really dense paragraph that has a lot of information in it, sometimes you have to read it two or three times 
And I think the way that movies and games and, and stuff like and like TV get around that is they have really heavily dense scenes and then they like keep repeating those themes with variations throughout. They're like, oh, hey, like, just so you know, if you miss this, here's this information. Here's this visual information that reinforces what we told you via text. But this game kind of didn't have that. It just had really, really dense text. And, and I yeah, do think I, that that hurt it. I think your solution would work 100%. But I mean, you know, that can be part of the restriction of, you know, like of, of, of time and voice acting and, you know what yeah. I mean? Like spending the money on that. But I mean, literally just writing descriptions of your characters and like maybe an extra paragraph or two and making like a little UI for that would be like, nothing yeah Uh, i I mean i don't want to say nothing but no i i think you do risk giving too much information into easily accessible of a format because the mystery as things are unraveling is important to keeping me engaged um you know they again i think that this one of the things that i was talking to you about earlier was there's like the world you exist in is a world like post the great rise of technology and ai but, like, the only time I really realized that was when, like, halfway through the game, N and London are, like, at each other's throats and talking, you know, like, and N talks about how he's just jealous because he's just a stupid AI because they shackled him. And it's like, oh, they had unshackled AIs who did incredible things and maybe built this palace? I don't know. And we're past that point in, like, human history. And that's the type of thing that's, like, that's really cool, but also... I do wish I had a little more of that context going into the game. That's something where, like, yeah, a codex would really be be super helpful in I that just, particular moment. I just don't know because I feel like they build all these really interesting things in the story, and like they they talk, you know, the, this this Darwinist cult and these, you know, this AI stuff that that you had brought up. But I just don't really feel like they use it, you know, like in the story. Yeah. It feels like it doesn't wrap back around. I agree, um, and that's something that I'm torn on, because on the one hand, I do wish it had wrapped back around, but on the other hand, it makes sense for it to not, in, yeah. in the context of the story, because why would they, like, you know, they're, they wouldn't be trying to dredge up ancient history about all of that stuff. Um, I think yeah. the Darwinist stuff does kind of wrap around, like, I think thematically that's all involved in the game, right, with you overcoming different versions of yourself and everything like that, like, that's all there, but... They do, it It does feel like a really interconnected series of really cool choices about the world, more so than a, like, fleshed out yeah. world. Yeah, and I mentioned, I did, it's kind of cheating, because it's like I mentioned earlier, I like, I want to hear more about the world, but, like, I just, I, I wanted it to, like you said, have those themes repeated again to, like, help mm-hmm. me remember and understand things and it's like i think too many people and this is a bit of a tangent i think too many people uh think that if you don't understand a story like or you're not able to follow along that a lot of the times it's at the fault of the reader or the watcher or you know the gameplay and sometimes it is like sometimes you zone out you're not in the right headspace and you just don't absorb that information but mm-hmm. I think sometimes we need to look at the stuff that we're consuming and maybe say like, hey, like this was difficult to understand or like follow for me and where I am with with like comprehension and things like that. And, you know, that can sometimes be a deficit, whereas other people it's like, OK, I got this. I understand everything. Let's go. And um, I don't know. It was just something that I was thinking about that's like I feel like 
more often than not, I'd rather tell someone that, like, it's not that I didn't understand the story. It's just, uh, you know, you don't want to admit that you don't understand something. Mm-hmm. You kind of want to go with saying, like, oh, yeah, I-, I got everything. You know, I feel like sometimes um, it feels better to say stuff like that. But anyways, so and, 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 I, I mean, just building on that idea, because I do think that's really interesting, right? Because the majority of time, if a text is understandable, the people who understand it will blame the people who don't understand it for not understanding it, right? Text and the more general term, not specifically text. Um, And and I think that, like like you said, yeah, sometimes it is just like you just space out, you don't pay attention or or what have you. But I do think like there is a especially with something commercialized like a like you know the first game from a studio you are trying to express the information that you have into like an understandable and readable format for people and mm-hmm. i think that with something like a game right it is harder to hit those same ideas over and over again it's also harder to expect a player to be fully engaged with the ideas that you're presenting while also trying to decipher how they're going to be tackling the next gameplay challenge right a lot of the text and like a lot of the textual information in this game comes through like you know walking scenes right you just you walk from place to place in which case it's like okay you can be like relatively engaged with those but you're asking somebody's brain to switch really quickly from like i'm frustrated to i understand this puzzle to i understand these mechanics to okay now i'm walking and i'm trying to like engage with all of this information and when you have really dense information like that and there's a limited amount of it and also sometimes the voice acting is incredible but sometimes you're outside and your character has a helmet on and the voice acting is muffled (laughs) and i have to turn my volume up way too goddamn loud um right it can like it can be hard to process all of that and then when those like like we had said when those ideas aren't then baked in later on because it's like hey did you pick this up if not it's just world building move on like okay but now I'm just going to do the same stealth sequence three times in a row. So everything you said there, I'm now going to disconnect from. I I think there is fault that I could lay at the foot of the game pretty definitively in not expressing everything it tries to go for um, Mm -hmm. well enough for everyone to be able to pick it up. Again, not that it's not all there, but all you have to do is hop onto like the Steam forums or the Steam reviews for people to be like, I was pretty confused for a lot of this. And I think if a lot of the player base feels that way, knowing that a lot of the player base also won't express that because they don't give a shit because they just wanted to play a stealth game. There's, there's maybe something to be laid at the foot of the developers, which they tried to do a lot in here. So I completely understand yeah. that. And what the, what they did do and what I was able to process was very cool. And the writing I could tell was very good, <laughs> but there was a lot that went kind of not understood uh, on first glance. And also like, the the the, the kind of interesting thing is how they deliver a lot of the story is it, it i mean it's all about the past right it's it's mm-hmm. almost like the entire story is about what happened not what's happening now so and and how they deliver what's happening isn't always someone explaining a story to you like like and telling london what happened sometimes it is but sometimes it's just them talking about a thing that you have to put the pieces together based on the conversation that they're having and like mm-hmm. pick up on some context clues and things like that and, emo- and like read emotional cues and things like that. And I love that. Like I, 
and the the way that they go back and forth is again very very entertaining it's just it it makes it even harder to grasp that so it's like if you want to get an idea across in this one session it it's going to be tough because there's gameplay in between and the way they deliver it i think yeah and it's not i mean for some people i'm sure it is but for me it's not the type of thing where i would be yeah there was not enough that went misunderstood for me to be like i'll replay this game um oh, also no. <laughs> i didn't like playing it so i wouldn't do that but let's yeah, talk ending I, let's let's do that real quick i do want to say you know because yeah. you were talking about you had mentioned the back and forth between the two i do like again just credit to the writing in this game there's a se- sequence where like you something happens as n and you lose the cube that supposedly has foster's soul in it and the mm, like mm-hmm. the ensuing sequence afterwards like the conversation between n and london is so good when you get like n like calling london out for feeling like as a gimped ai and london calling n out for being just like an ignorant dumb child who thinks that they're the center of the universe and they are the answer to all of the questions in the world just because they were a rich kid that like ran away from daddy or whatever it's all like extremely well written and extremely well delivered and like made me uncomfortable with how angry London gets because like the beginning of like literally the first line of dialogue and has talks about how, you know, she just woke up after a hundred year stasis. And like the best thing that, you know, London could come up with to talk about was like explaining the situation and not like you ruined our chances. You fucked this up for us. You stupid bitch. And like, you're like, Oh wow. She's like, really aggressive and then in that scene when london gets really angry he talks about how she fucked this all up for her you stupid bitch and it's so like it ties in really well and it just really like it's a powerful impact to just feel the anger that has been like barely under the surface for this character finally bubble over yeah Um, really 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 genuinely very good dialogue between these two characters every single time that they engage and then in the end there's like the end there's a white light and london's like i'm breaking up but if you get there good luck and then you never talk to him again (laughs) it's like (laughs) it felt so unresolved for those two like i wanted to i don't know it it, that the the two of them felt very unresolved um Mm -hmm. but um yeah yeah i think those are and the 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 kind of like shift in power like tonal power i think is really really great because when you're when i was first playing i'm like okay london wears the fuck where london wears the pants here you know what Mm -hmm. i mean he's got the answers he knows what's going on and then as the story goes on it really shifts into n knowing what's going on and ends wearing the pants in this whole thing Mm -hmm. and it's uh it's really it's really cool i just (sighs) oh this yeah there's also I, there's a there's a very good line when talking about those rings that you were talking about a line that mm-hmm. I totally forgot about where it's like oh yeah you would like go inside those rings and as a challenge and before it's explained London's like oh so what you would just like go sit inside those rings and be wealthy <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really fucking good I love I love a lot of the dialogue in this game um, yeah um so let's talk ending yeah let's do it um so just to reiterate real quick. At the end, you walk into that white, bright light, you lose contact with London, you uh, go through the, uh, the, the the memory of the ship, most likely, and then see, like, a ghost version of London. You realize, oh, I have to... Uh, Not London. Um, oh, excuse me. You're right. Foster. 
Yes. Foster, foster, foster. Yes. Um, and you touch and you realize, oh, I have to switch uh, places with him in a way where I die. We cannot exist at the same time. One of us, you know, has to be dead. Essentially, you switch and London wakes up. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about this kind of from start to finish, like like the buildup to the climax? What were your what were your feelings? I liked the buildup a lot. Mm-hmm. And I liked when N was realizing that the idea is, hey, like, we can't both live here, right? Because her whole thing, like, the whole reason she came here and she voices this was, like, I was really just looking for a way to correct my mistake. Her mistake being when she basically manipulated Foster into dying so that she could live. So I think there's, like, a good and cool level of her, like, addressing her guilt and finding a way to to overcome that but it just like it felt empty a little bit mm-hmm. in a way that's like okay well then she kills herself and foster lives and it just didn't like i don't know that i had enough of an emotional connection to either the struggle she was having or foster as a character to have that really land I do think it kind of brought to light an interesting idea that I didn't realize at the time, which is like, oh, her grandpa always knew, like, Gramps always, like, maybe knew that this was how it actually happened, and he was just looking for somebody who was good enough to be able to get through all of that so that when he died, they could bring him back to life by sacrificing themselves. I think that's kind of, like, a cool little thing that is in there, but it's not something that's necessarily, like, explained, so I, I walked away from the ending feeling a little let down. I I feel like they kind of didn't land the themes they were going for. Yeah, I I I feel like from a very like hmm, I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. Yeah. From a perspective of someone who has a really hard time with endings. I have a very hard time with game endings. I don't think there's not many endings to games that I enjoy, and I don't know why that is. Uh, I'd like to dig deep on that sometime, but I, I... We'll do an episode on it. Don't worry. Ooh, that's a fun, that's a fun one. It's actually not a bad idea. Table that. We'll do that for real. Yeah. Um, I wish there was either a twist or a choice here, right? Like, I mean, they had the setup for a choice. You know what I mean? Like, do you want to take this risk or just be like, nah i'm gonna go home (laughs) um or something like that i don't know i just i felt like it was the exact natural progression of the story not in a way where it's like this is how we make an interesting story it's this is what the person who is reading the story would think would happen and then it just happened you know Mm -hmm. um uh and there's nothing wrong with that i just i don't know it just like you had said it's not like you can do that, but it wasn't relatable enough, and I didn't feel the feels or the emotional impact behind it. I I do like the one thing I'll say before before I'll let you let you yeah, go no. is I like the idea, and and tell me if I'm reading this wrong, but to ascend to this is basically like heaven, right? Like it's like their heaven, like they get digitized. Yeah, I, I think the yes, like the palace was the gates to heaven and like getting digitized or whatever is, is ostensibly the afterlife, maybe, or again, could just be being brought back to life. It's it's left ambiguous, I think, intentionally. So if we're taking the heaven route here, it, there was a bounty hunter who was hired to capture this girl and the girl, you know, iced him with the machine and then 
basically brought a bounty hunter to heaven. And if there are people in this, like, palace, this, this like, heavenly palace, they're going to be so fucking confused. And, like, I, I, I kind of, I think maybe they were trying to leave it open to something more ambiguous or, like, some sort of sequel. And maybe that's why they kept it very, like, mysterious. He wakes up in a in a dark room with birds chirping because it, to me... That didn't, like, everything building up to it seemed like heaven, but then when he got there, I'm like, this doesn't look like their heaven. This looks like where you started the game, but mm-hmm. worse, uh, somehow, and I, I don't know what that was. Also, yeah, I would have loved to see N be cubified, you know? Like, yeah, did at, she... we, sh- we, we did not mention that. The cube that Foster and Phil <laughs> oh, was apparently in is a thing that, like, <laughs> the resourcefuls do, right? Like, they in air quotes trap somebody's soul into a cube but basically like they lay down on a table and get fucking killed and their body is turned into a cube and they're you know they get turned into a millennium puzzle from Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah <laughs> there you go. um and that's what happened to foster and i think the idea is that and and again I, I i would have to reread it a couple of times but i think the idea is that something happened to foster in helping N, and then she cubified him to try and like keep his soul to bring him back later after the fact, but she did not intentionally kill him. Like, she manipulated him, but I don't think it was like, she didn't kill him. He was going to, like, he was dying, and she cubified oh, yeah. him instead of letting him die naturally. Got it. Um, I, I also, I do, I think there's something to dig into about the fact that Foster woke up, like you said, in a dark room with birds chirping, and all of the resourcefuls, like, it's you know, the area that N was in when she was training to be a resourceful was always referred to as the garden. Um, I think there's, like, something there, but I, I, again, I would have to dig into it further, and I don't know that there's enough there to justify me digging into it further. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to loop back at just, like, I don't think... You had said you wanted a twist or a choice. I definitely didn't want a choice, right? Closer because, to a twist, yeah, than a choice. Yeah, because N is not a character who is strongly conflicted. So it wouldn't make sense for me to have a choice there on what she does. She knows what she's going to do. Um, I would have liked some sort of a twist, and to some extent you get a twist, right? They're like, oh, well, you know, you you have to give up your life for Foster to live, right? You know, the but that's also telegraphed a little when they're like, hey, the body and the soul enter through different doors. And you're like, okay, well, I've got the soul and I got the body right here, so let's do this. So um, let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Can we let just the take one of the echoes? The Can we just take one of the echoes and do that? That's a body. Ah, oh, that's a good idea. Should have done that. Uh, no, all the echoes are dead by the time you get there because they were killed by the golems. Um, mm, mm-hmm. So Maybe I that's don't... the purpose of the golems because I don't <laughs> fucking know why they were there. I want to talk about that, but just getting to the thought, I don't. I I didn't. I don't think that it needed a twist. I don't think it needed a choice. I think that the conclusion they came to was a perfectly fine conclusion. I just think it, it happened very quickly right after a gameplay section and it yeah. felt unearned. I think they needed one longer conversation with London. I think that would have serviced it really really well or maybe mm-hmm. like you know, if this game's all about looking at yourself, maybe as you are walking through some of your memories, like, you know, there were copies of you that you talked to or something like that. Like, 
it, it needs some kind of I agree with you. It needs something to extend that that scene a little bit to wrap around those themes and things like that. Yeah. yeah, and for you to be, like, emotionally connected to the choice that, even if it's a choice you know she's going to make, again, it, it just, it all happened way too quickly. I, I think you're right. Any, uh, I, I think a long conversation would have done wonders for it, drawing out that scene, drawing out the tone of that scene, even, because it was all, like, really well done when you walk into this giant light, and then all of a sudden you're back on the ship holding the lighter that you know, Foster had given you as you walked through the darkness and you're assaulted by, like, memory. Like, it was all very cool. It's just over very quickly, and I didn't feel like it made enough sense. Um, and I, I just wasn't I wasn't invested enough in the choice that was about to happen. Um, yeah. But those golems. <laughs> I do the let's, fucking let's talk golems. about... Let's let's wrap around. I think that's it for the story. Let's wrap around yeah. in a couple gameplay things now that we've talked about everything. Let's talk about having a game that has one of the most unique and interesting mechanics in a stealth game maybe ever, and then at the end of the game just taking a big old fat dump on it. (laughs) I just, I don't get it. They're like, okay, we're not going to evolve this in any way. We're not going to add new versions of you. We're just going to make a fucking mean golem. And the fucked up part is that all the way through this game, there's six chapters, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking... Oh my god, dude. I'm on chapter four. I'm golden, baby. I get through <laughs> chapter five. I say, all right, one more again. I do chapter six, do the three levels, collect the blue orbs, get the key, do the other one. It happens a f- again. And it was so <laughs> like, there's no dialogue in between it. And it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I think the most likely answer is it's definitely a budgetary thing, I feel like. I don't know why they would make the choice to not have dialogue in between that. And also, this game came out around a time and still currently a time where game length matters so much that I think maybe they thought extending the game's length was more important. But anyways, these golems don't make any fucking sense. There's no reason for them to be there in the story or gameplay. You do, to be fair, you do get dialogue from N when the golems first appear. And her and London talk and she says like, what are those things? They're killing, They're killing the, the echoes. echoes. Why silence. would they do that? Radio silence. <laughs> it's like what? Expand on that idea. <laughs> Expand yeah. on your thoughts. Expand because I I will say to the game's credit, the golems are fucking terrifying because you've been for six hours dealing with the exact same thing that you can deeply control how it reacts and then all of a sudden they introduce this new enemy type that you have no control over that sprints across the map to grab versions of you and smash their heads into the ground and then you hear them scream and it's like genuinely scary and genuinely unsettling but then they're like we'll just fill the whole map with them and have them walk around in the same patterns and don't have any commentary on them whatsoever i think well no this sucks i think there's so much more potential and messing with how the echoes interact with each other and you could have just had a very powerful echo that was doing those things and had some other visual like representation and i think you could wrap around to some other themes while doing that it just doesn't make any sense to have and they don't look like n they look like just large they, golden men i don't know they, they do look like you a little bit they've they've still got like your armor and they've still got the lights on the side and like it's clear I that guess. that happened when that like weird maintenance drone 
scanned you. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, that does make sense. But it's, it's it, again, if know. it was just like one or two of them, I would have been like, hey, this is really interesting. It really shakes things up. And maybe if they were like even moved around a little bit so you could just do the exact same shit you've done the whole game. If there was only one of them, I feel like that would work really, really well. And it just kind mm-hmm. of like stayed in the general area near you. That would have been really unsettling. You're right. They are yeah. scary, but they're more annoying than, you know, like unsettling. I think it's just they're like... scary up until the point when they grab you and smash your head into the dirt and you say, fuck this dumb game. Fuck that. Fuck everybody. I'm so mad. I have to restart that whole level now. And then they're not scary anymore. Then they're just frustrating. I... I... I will say the only moment that worked for me was when they started killing all the the echoes and I was just running through hoping that I wasn't one of those echoes. <laughs> it, 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 it gave me a very, very like, oh, I'm just like one of these echoes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not special kind of thing that I think worked yeah. in a way. But um, I, don't think I, I will also say the solution to the very last puzzle in the game has one of those giant golems carrying the key. You just like... <laughs> fucking sneak up behind and pull out your gun and unload just like blap 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 in the back and then take the key and sprint away and that also felt kind of good i was like this is how i've been playing half this game anyway so it's good to be vindicated yeah yeah well i i think i liked it but i think we should do closing thoughts yeah yeah i agree um you want to go first yeah my closing thoughts is if you're like me don't play this game (laughs) I just don't like it. I can't recommend it. I I like the story. I like the idea behind the mechanics. It's just not executed well enough for me to be able to recommend anyone play it. I just don't think it, it, it it's too long of it. I, I, I hate to say this, but I'm going to requote myself because we're towards the end and nobody's fucking here by this point. Um, <laughs> it, it was like, someone's really 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 masterful beautiful like college project and they just multiplied the gameplay times six and i don't know why they did it like that but that's how it happened um the story the voice acting the you know uh writing all that stuff the environments um we didn't really even talk about the the art in this game but the the way that they lay out everything is like so repetitive but it kind of works like there's such Mm -hmm. a small amount of assets in this game but yet i still feel like through lighting effects and and different things they achieve a lot so it yeah but it's still a game and that's what sucks is like if the game isn't good then you can't play the game if it's mostly game like you know, I, and I, I uh, hear you. I hear you from the fucking rafters already. You people being like, "Well, you really like the Life is Strange games, and that's not even a game. You just walk around." Yeah, there's a difference between a game not being like a super engaging game and a game actively impeding your enjoyment of the story. I, I don't want to use the term unplayable because that's not true, but it gives that same feeling where I'm like, "This is not enjoyable to play." Life is Strange is enjoyable to play because I'm walking around and talking to people and reading things and you know solving time mm-hmm. puzzles like that's fine uh anyways so that's my closing thoughts is like great ideas poor execution <laughs> i just i yeah. can't recommend it I, I i i wish i could i really wish i loved this game but i just don't i have the same great idea poor execution but i i like you know like i said up top i'm much softer on this game than i think you are i think i enjoyed my time with it more than you did or at least i enjoyed parts of it more than you did um so uh, again 
I don't I don't think much has really changed over the course of this. I think a lot of what they do works really, really well. Everything except for the part where you have to like move around works extremely well. And I think that part is just too important for it to to work well. And I, I think I had told you when we were chatting about this game the other day, I really, really would have loved to play a fleshed out sequel to this game. Yeah. Where they said this was a cool idea. We learned a lot. We have more money. We have a little more time. Let's let's do a little more with it. That won't happen. Ultra Ultra did shut down in 2019, I believe. Um, so Rest we're not going to get a sequel Ultra. to this game, um, which it's a shame because yeah. again, I, I I love games like this. I like the idea where someone's just like, "Hey, we're a smaller studio. We've got a really cool idea. We're just going to try it out." And it's something that like you would never see at a higher budget game from like a AAA studio because it's just too risky, right? It, this one didn't right. pan out perfectly but i think it's a super cool idea and i wish people would take that idea and run with it a little bit um but not gonna work necessarily now duncan how would you feel about learning more about this world without having to play more of this game i wouldn't mind that how would you feel about uh as of 2019 in may still in production a film adaptation of echo hmm because that seems to me fucking wild i do not never in my life would i have been like ah this will probably become a movie i don't think it would make a good movie just because there's too much potential for really bad green screen like a thousand mm-hmm. versions of mm-hmm. the same actor mm-hmm. running towards one actor i don't think that would be good um yeah i mean i assume they would have to change quite a bit about it yeah but i uh, also I don't think it's going to come out because no. it's been a while and I've never heard anything about it. And also no. it's being ostensibly produced by DJ two entertainment. <laughs> who's also trying to work on a TV series, a live action TV series based on life is strange. And no. also a live action TV series based on disco Elysium. And no. also a live action TV series like... based on vampire. What? <laughs> and, no, that's uh, not real. <laughs> that I guess also the like main people like two of the main people on it co-produced the Sonic movie so like I mean clearly they actually did get some stuff done but I'm like hmm. yo they're working on something for my friend friend Pedro uh, <laughs> what is that why can't I that's like the weird uh, banana. Oh right 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 yeah. right right yeah 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 that's like there's there's a lot of stuff that they, they like, say they're working films? on. Uh, I mean, I think my friend Pedro is a short film. The other two, I think Echo was supposed to be a full-length movie, and the other two were supposed to be TV series. I wonder, so, you know what that made me think of, speaking of video game movies? There was supposed to be a Five Nights at Freddy's movie a long oh, while God, ago. Let's all put our hands together and dedicate all our thoughts and prayers to that not coming out. Oh, dude, I would love to watch that movie. It would have to be okay. so well, now I have to Google bad. Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Yeah, take a look. There <sighs> was I saw a Twitter post one time of like a video of someone working on it and they're like showing off the, the like real animatronics they were making and shit like that. As of this article was published November twenty fifth, twenty twenty, on Screen Ranch by Rebecca Rebecca Vanneker says Five Nights at Freddy movies finally starts filming spring what? of 2021. Holy the shit! The is set, and the movie will start filming 2021. So we'll get that around the same time we get Sonic. probably the, uh, the the next Sonic movie. We'll probably get that slightly after the Uncharted movie that <laughs> seems like it's actually being made and has that that Spider-Man guy playing young Nathan Drake. I don't Who, know. It's Tom all Holland? weird, man. 
Tom Holland. Yeah, there were uh. screenshots of him as Nathan Drake on set. It was fucking wild. Huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. Video game movies. They've released two good ones ever. So Which ones? Let's, uh, I think the Sonic movie was all right, and I've heard Detective Pikachu was good. Yeah, I, I actually enjoyed Detective Pikachu. I think it was I think it was fun. It's fun. There's some That's I it. think every other one's been bad. I think Sonic movie's better than Detective Pikachu though. That's wild. It's so much more memeable. It's so Okay, but is Detective Pikachu a better movie meme resistant though? I haven't seen no, it, so I don't know. I still I'm, don't I'm genuinely think so. I, I think it's did it just it, it, that it didn't have as much Olive Garden okay. product placement? Is that the problem? It. We shouldn't be talking about this. This is nothing. No, Mortal Kombat was the only good video game movie. Ooh, there, I said that's it. interesting. That's an interesting. The first take. one. The first one. The first one. If I remember correctly, Detective Pikachu felt like most of the jokes were in the trailer, and those were all the jokes, and it was kind of trying to be a funny movie. But I don't really get Ryan Reynolds' Pikachu. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Hmm. I can't wait to post this clip on Twitter with the caption, listen to us talk about Action <laughs> 2017 Game by Ultra Ultra. <laughs> it's just you going, Detective Pikachu. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Now that's, now, that's something I could dig deep into. That's something I could write some questions down about. Now, what sort of a religious cult would Detective Pikachu be a part of, do you think? Uh... Hey, that's kind of part of it, I think, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Damn, I gotta watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was better. I don't know. It's been a while. It's been a while. I know Mewtwo gave me big, unsettled vibes. He does not okay. look good in the movie. I believe he has teeth, and I did not like that. That sucks. I don't like that at yeah. all. I will, I'll tell you what. I will watch the Detective Pikachu <gasps> movie before the next time we record, and I will weigh in at that point. I would love that. Pikachu updates. Um, Pikachu updates at the <laughs> at the end of every episode from here on out. It's impossible that you're still here, but if you are, thank <laughs> you so much for getting to this point. We really appreciate you, and we would enjoy if you appreciated us. You can appreciate us by leaving a five-star <laughs> iTunes review or anywhere you could rate this podcast, which I don't think is anywhere. <laughs> You can also follow I mean, us. You can rate it everywhere. The, everywhere that your podcast listener of choice lets you rate podcasts. You can also follow us at Thoughts from P1 at Twitter. That's where we're most active. But we also have Facebook. And that's it. And an email Thoughts from Player One at gmail.com, where you can send in game suggestions. Ask questions. We'll get those, uh, we'll get those answered right away whenever we get one. And. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> And, you uh, can hop onto a Discord. We have a Discord. Right. There will be a link probably in the episode description. Yeah. And don't forget to check out our Twitch channel. It's popping yes. up. We play so much Danganronpa and occasionally other stuff. <laughs> and our YouTube channel. And our YouTube channel. We just started V2. I promise. I promise. If you come back next weekend, not this weekend, if you're listening to this when it comes out, but next weekend, we will be... Uh, just playing the third part of Danganronpa. It, it's not that hard to pick up. You can get with us. We do fun voices. Uh, my character talks about how he has to take a shit all the time. Don't know what that's about. Um, <laughs> Literally once, but that's fine. <laughs> one of my characters is very horny. Alex, any characters you want to shout out that you do? Uh, let's see. One of Duncan's characters Whoa. is... <laughs> that you do. 
No, my characters are my characters are pretty standard fare. I got a princess. I got a little girl who's kind of a jerk and talks about how people are creeps, and that's kind of fun and also uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's okay. I think it's a good time. I think it's fun. I have I also voice a person who has a bunch of hamsters and is basically a like vampire lord, high energy anime dude. It's very good. Um, also, sometimes we don't play Danganronpa. We yeah, play yeah. Darkest Dungeon, or we play AI Dungeon, or we play whatever suits our fancy at the time. So check it out. You know, drop us a follow. Eventually, we'll get to affiliate, and then you can start giving us money that way, <laughs> and that would be great. Uh, someday, <laughs> but you know, it, it, yesterday I told. I don't know how I went from someday to yesterday. Someday, I think it was yesterday. <laughs> time means nothing. <laughs> I told my. I was talking to my. Uh, my mom because she's talking about micro and i just laughed and she's like why are you laughing <laughs> and i'm like well on our darkest dungeon stream which is this game where like it's like you gotta like and i felt so bad i'm like god damn it why did i do this and i had to explain how darkest dungeon works and how like you know permadeath and these characters rosters were and i'm like yeah one time Jeff Probst went on a drunken bender and then micro died to, like a skeleton or something <laughs> she was, like, so like like not upset and not entertained, just very not even confused, I... just very like okay, that's I don't really get it, but that sounds fun. I felt I so wish bad. we had more freedom with episode titles because I would love to title this one episode one thirty whatever <laughs> Echo Micro died to a skeleton <laughs> or something. <laughs> Or something. <laughs> uh, so yeah, check that out. It's always a good time. We stream typically um, Fridays or Saturdays, and usually every other week we stream a single weekend or a single weekday night when we are not recording the podcast. So check it out. I just threw a pen into a cup. All right. <laughs> With that being said, <laughs> in the left corner, the unstoppable. Michael! Thanks, Alex and Duncan. Michael here with your plant fact of the day. If you've ever watched an ocean nature documentary, then you've probably seen seals and otters darting through vast forests of towering kelp. Kelp is essential to healthy marine ecology by hosting a diverse array of beautiful wildlife. And kelp also has some fascinating characteristics. Did you know that kelp has a special anatomy that helps him stay upright and float? Pneumatocysts are small bulbs that are filled with gas that help kelp reach the surface of the water where they can get the maximum amount of sunlight. Kelp is also one of the fastest growing plants and in good conditions can grow up to two feet per day. Sadly, climate change is hurting kelp forests as well as diminishing the populations of otters which feed on the kelp's natural predator, the sea urchin. To learn more or to find out what you can do to help the kelp, visit noyocenter.org. That's N-O-Y-O-Center.org. That's your plant fact of the day. Thanks for listening. Tune in to the next episode of Thoughts from Player One for more video game discussions and plant facts. All right, let's make a witch's rhyme, and that'll be our warm-up. Oh, yes, dude. Okay. Cauldron, cauldron, boiling bubble. I got an easy one. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, but all you have to do is rhyme bubble. 
cauldron, cauldron, boil and bubble. I would like to meet Barney Rubble. <laughs> I'm glad I found that because when I said I would like to, I had no fucking clue what was coming next. All right, all right, all right. Let me let me do the second one. You go ahead and give me a give me a witch's spell. Okay. Leaves of green and eyes of newt. Uh. Throw in all the game pieces of root. <laughs> Why was that not the trailer that they put on for making their new Kickstarter? <laughs> Alright, I think Witch's Brew is now my favorite improv game. Witch's Brew is extremely good, actually. <laughs> Lion's mane and cat's long tail. Now the perfect India pale ale. <laughs> San Pellegrino! <laughs> Bring me the hair of Al Pacino! <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. Oh, that's really funny.